Hello and welcome to the Walla Mouth podcast, where we share the stories of the world's best chefs, restaurateurs and other experts, and their favorite destinations to travel and eat. My name is Kenneth Nars, and I'm the creative director of Walla Mouth, a platform that connects more than 600 restaurant experts who share their favorite restaurants, from the best place for a pizza slice, a taco or a hamburger, to the latest must-visit new fine dining restaurant opening. Today we're meeting Daniel Calvert, the chef at restaurant Cezanne in Tokyo. He grew up in southeast England and worked his way through the star restaurants Pierre Terre in London, Epicure in Paris, Per Se in New York and Bellon in Hong Kong, before moving to Tokyo. We'll hear about Daniel Calvert's life and work across the world's culinary capitals and why Tokyo is every top chef's dream city. At the end of the podcast he will reveal his favorite restaurants in Tokyo, Hong Kong and the rest of the world. You'll also find these places in the World of Mouth app. Please tell me who is uh, Daniel Calvert. So I thank you, Kenneth, for having having me on the show. It's a real pleasure to be here. Um, well, I am Daniel Calvert. <laughs> I am a, a chef in Tokyo uh, at a restaurant Cezanne um, inside Four Seasons Hotel at Marinucci. And and tell me a bit about uh, Tokyo. You've been working. You originally come from from the UK. Is that right? Yes, from uh, from Surrey, from the UK, uh, south of England. Uh, but I, I have been traveling for a long time now, well, living abroad, I guess, uh, it's been since 2009, so I think 2009 I left and moved to New York for a, for a while, about five years. Uh, Paris was soon after that for a couple of years, and then, uh, yeah, so before that I was obviously working in London, but when I first moved abroad was New York, and then Paris, and then after that, after a couple of years in Paris was Hong Kong, and then five years later was Tokyo. And uh, please tell me, what, what uh, made you come to Tokyo? Well, I was working in Hong Kong at a restaurant, Bellon. Um, you know, I love Hong Kong and I never had any plans to leave Hong Kong, but somebody came to ask me if I would like to consider opening a restaurant inside, uh, inside the Four Seasons in Tokyo. And I think at that point, you cannot say no to, uh, to someone, to, to that kind of offer. You know, I think the quality of ingredient everybody is very well aware of um, and, the, and, the, and the level of cuisine in Japan is, is on another level to anywhere in the world, to be honest. So as a chef, it was a real challenge. You know, I, I, I think I did a great job in Hong Kong and I had reached a, uh, a peak of where I was at and I wanted to push myself further. Uh, and tell me, I mean, having worked in these different cities, of course, every every city is different and every restaurant is different. Uh, what 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 makes? I mean, you mentioned a few things, but uh, actually working in a restaurant in 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 Tokyo, in a top restaurant like yours, how how mm. would you compare it to the other places in the world? I mean, it's everything, right? It's um, it's the quality of guest. It's um, you know quality of ingredients, seasonality, um, culture, which, re- which revolves around food. You know, no, you know, France also has a similar kind of aspect where, where people in France, they know when it's time for peas, asparagus, this, this, and this, but in Japan, it goes even deeper than that. And, um, and people understand the time of year for a, for a certain size of fish, which is available all year round, but this time of the season, it's actually this certain size and it's called this name and it's from this region and da, 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 da. And there's the learning is just, bottomless i think and to be surrounded by to know you have a dining room full of people who know the who know the product better than you do um that's that's a real challenge to really get up to speed and make sure you know what you're talking about basically 
Um, and just to be honest, in Japan, I'm sure you've traveled here, the, the, the domestic travel and, and then the, the nature and everything about it is just, you, you never stop being inspired, right? And I think that there's always something new to see. Um, we go to the market three or four times a week and every time I see something new. So instead of cooking from cookbooks and, um, you know, that kind of stuff from in, in cities, import cities where I was working before, now I'm just cooking from the market. So ironically, my kitchen is is more beautiful and well-equipped than ever, but my cooking is even simpler than ever. And it's, um, it's, it's testament to the product. As a foreigner still, or, or, or European, mm. coming to, to Tokyo, and uh, actually, I mean, you are, you are quite young uh, as a chef uh, mm. and in your role. How, how do you step into those boots? Is it a challenge or, I mean, obviously there's a lot of Western chefs as well, but uh, do you have to adapt to the, 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 the Japanese chef and kitchen culture in, in, some, as a, in a personal way? Yeah, I mean, of course, there's always uh, reasons and and, and um, ways to adapt, right? And I think that had I just left the UK and moved straight to Japan, I think that it would have been a real difficult transition. And I think that having having lived abroad in multiple cities and multiple cultures, and you know, America is completely different to France, and France is different to Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is completely different to Tokyo. You you kind of become a bit more fluid as a person, and uh, I think that. Yes, there are certain things that are really are unique to Japan and and the subtleties and and they call it reading the air, right? And I think that that is a really Japanese thing, but also very English also at the same time. But I think that there are a lot of challenges in any country around the world. You know, when I moved to France, I, you know, one challenge I didn't speak any French. You know, <laughs> that was quite a big challenge. Uh, but then that that experience readied me to the fact that I was going to open a restaurant in Tokyo where I didn't speak Japanese. Uh, but the difference was this time I was running it. And um, mm -hmm. I think those those experiences really prepare you for for a, for a, a challenge like this. And um, yes, I when I opened this restaurant, it was probably the hardest thing I ever did. You know, people forget that um, as a foreigner, you move to Japan and opening a restaurant in a completely different language and a culture that you've never worked in before. And of course, there was huge expectations of of this restaurant due to the work I had done in Berlin and of course in my past. Um, so basically, I, I think that the most important thing was just to keep working hard and and just don't real don't accept the fact that you're so far under pressure and and um, out of your comfort zone, but just have to get through it. And to be honest, I I can't ask more from my team that I had and and the people around me that I've had, not just the team but the guests, the the media, the the suppliers, the everything that we've had it's they've just come to us and really supported and to be honest the the guiding principle in life is just be a good person right and i think that if you are a good person good things come to you don't be don't be a dick right <laughs> that's right <laughs> don't be a dick <laughs> i've heard that from many many chefs yeah that's the, that's yeah don't thing. be a dick If we go way back uh, to your childhood and so, and you uh, uh, growing up in, in in the UK in in Surrey, uh, mm. when did you get? I mean, the plans for becoming a chef was that something you had as a small kid or? Uh, I remember distinctly around the age of about thirteen. Uh, my mom asked me, "What do you want to do when you're older?" I said, "I want to be a chef." 
Um, why? I have no idea. I mean, I spent time growing up watching Jamie Oliver, of course, and Gordon Ramsay on TV and, and all these kind of things. And at that moment in the UK, I think there was a real period of um, of growth for, for celebrity chefs. Food TV was really starting, food magazines. Uh, of course, you didn't have social media back then at all. Um, but there was becoming a real celebrity around cooking and, and restaurants and food. There was not so many Michelin stars in London at that time. Um, so it w- I think London was really an emerging market, even back then. You know, of course, you had Shane Osborne at Pierre de you had The Square, you had um, Le Gavroche, you had uh, Gordon, that was had three. And I think when I started working at Pierre de which was two stars in two, 2006, there was only four two Michelin star restaurants in London at that time. And now there must be 15, 20, I, I don't even know anymore. It's it's the, 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 the levels raised so much. And I think it's that generation of people who started watching Jamie Oliver on TV and started cooking, to be honest. And there's a huge um, thanks to give to him for, for the Renaissance in, in England, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after London, was it Paris then or, or New York first? No, New York was the next one. I wanted to go work at the French Laundry. Uh, I remember that when I was working at the Ivy, was my first job. Um, one of the guys, one of the older guys, had a copy of the French Laundry cookbook. And I, I remember seeing it and... I mean, I just think a lot of chefs about my age probably had that same moment with that book. And I, I don't think I'd ever seen food so beautiful um, or realized it could be so beautiful and so perfect and so elegant. Um, and that really put the seed into my... And I remember at that time, it was 2004 I was working there. And the, and the talk of the town at that point was Per Se was opening. Mm-hmm. And everyone was talking about, wow, this restaurant Per Se in New York, like it's from Thomas and French Laundry. And I was reading this French Laundry cookbook and it was like, wow, we're talking about Per Se, like... It just seemed such a, a dream, like somewhere I was never going to get to, right? Never, ever get there. La- the laundry was so far out of reach. It was someplace in remote California. I'd never be able to get there. I was only 16 at the time. Um, so I was applying to the French Laundry from from about 2004, 2005. Multiple rejections, of course, because I was not even 18. Um, and then I think I stopped and I worked for Shane for uh, about three years. Uh, at Pied and then I, I was in a bookshop in in London on my break, and I saw a copy of Michelin Guide New York, and it just reignited that spark to travel again. So I, I, I my first goal was the French Laundry, but I thought, you know what, I think New York sounds a bit better than Yonville, so I'm mm-hmm. going to try to apply to Per Se, uh, and I spent about a year emailing Per Se every week until I got some kind of response from them. Uh, because there was no social media, that you you never knew how to contact the chef. You had to email this one address that. Probably mm. went to, at that point in time, your resume went to the bottom of the pile because it was getting thousands a day, I'm sure, uh, which is not the case anywhere anymore, right? This industry is, is struggling big time. But back then, it was um, it was real competition. And I guess so I got lucky top of the pile one day and uh, about a year later, and I was invited to to work for three days to, to, to get a job, I guess, as a trial. And then uh, and then I joined afterwards and then stayed there for five years. As per se? Yes. All right. Uh, and then Paris after that? So after that, I, I mean, as an Englishman, I always wanted to to solidify my, you know, the authenticity of cooking French cuisine, right? And I think that's a very important that people have to work in Paris. And I think that nowadays it's there's less important to put on it, of course, because there's there's markets that are maybe just as strong, right? You've got New York is a huge market, San Francisco, Hong Kong is a great market, Tokyo is an amazing market. But back then... Um, 
oh Denmark also too. You know, Scandinavia is, is where everyone goes to cook now, which is which is fantastic. But I do believe as a as a as a French cuisine chef, you have to move to Paris because the French cuisine is not the same outside. And I really really learned how to cook in Paris more than you know. Of course, I learned tremendous amount out of Thomas and, and per se, but the Bristol was slightly. I worked at the Bristol and it was. There's a completely different level of detail, not neither better nor worse, but just completely different level of detail. Things that we were looking at were completely different. Nothing was prepared in advance and it was just the biggest, the biggest mess in, in the service. It was craziness, but not a single plate of food ever left the kitchen. It should not. Uh, then if we uh, talk about Cezanne, your, your, your current restaurant, mm. uh, how would you describe that one? What kind of a restaurant is Cezanne? Well, it's, you know, the most important thing to me is uh, for a restaurant, what I look for in a restaurant is a restaurant that I would want to go back two or three times a week. That is the most important thing. That is a restaurant, right? I, I look at places like the Wolseley in London, um, you know, per se, French Laundry. Um, these, are, these are restaurants I want to go back to time and time again. And that was the key. The key part of building this restaurant was, okay, so what do we need to do? We need to change the menu frequently. We need to have a formal, professional, but relaxed style of service where people do not feel on the edge of their seats. Um, and, and a team that is, that is consistent and not changing and not, not a revolving door of, of, of staff. And I think that getting the guests to understand who the manager is and, and who this person is and familiar faces every time they come in. So I would, I would describe it as... Um, Jesus, as a restaurant, you know, there's so many of these restaurants these days where I have a story and a narrative and this and that and X, Y, and Z. And, and for me, I can't, I can't say that about Cezanne. I think for me, it's a true restaurant. We serve excellent food. We serve beautiful wines and, and the most elegant way we can. And the, the influence, if we have to put some kind of nationality on the cuisine, is that how would you, what would you say on that? Difficult, because nowadays I'm looking more and more at Chinese food than I ever, ever have. Um, you know, it's an amalgamation of all my experiences, I think. And uh, I have been lucky to live in three or four continents now and I spend a long time in Asia and it does impact the way you cook. Um, of course, we have to remember who we're cooking for, which is Japanese um, and obviously regional travelers within Asia. Um, so I think having spent so much time in Asia, you, you acclimatize your, your cuisine and your palate to that. And, um, the most important thing is that you choose the correct technique and, and approach to each ingredient. And I think that we don't force dishes. You know, we, we if something makes sense, then it makes sense. We, we currently have these beautiful ducks from Aichi Prefecture, right? And the skin is super thick, fatty, but it cooks just like a Peking duck from Beijing. But however, the, the flesh is tender enough like, like a French bird. So we're kind of cooking it like a Chinese duck, but actually cooking it like a French duck at the same time, because that's what makes sense to the product. We're not we're not typecast or put into a box or this in French. We have to cook it like this and and you know roasting the brown butter and finishing the sauce like this. It, it's what we feel like and what makes sense for the product and the development of the menu and the time of year. Of course, the seasonality is the most important thing, especially in Japan. Uh, uh, and you have already received uh, quite a few awards uh, from different. Um, from different ones, uh, please yes. tell, tell me how how important <laughs> are these awards for you? Ah, uh, very of course. In one hand, for sure. I mean, 
as a chef, you know, you're looking at Michelin your whole career. Like I, I made decisions about based on where I was going to move to in the world based upon this guide, right? And um, of course, you know, you want to work at Per Se because it was the greatest restaurant in New York um, at that point. I, I mean, arguably still so. Uh, it has three Michelin stars. I moved to Paris. I believe that Epicure to be the best restaurant in Paris, and I still do. And it also has three Michelin stars. So you're looking at these people and you're holding yourself to the standard. Okay, what is a three star? What, is, what does it take to achieve three stars? And you see so much. And of course, you want that for yourself one day. Uh, but it, it is not the, the, the number one reason we come to work. And I think that the most important thing is the guest, um, that the guest is enjoying themselves. And you may be cooking for your stars and, and that's fantastic. But let's not forget who's actually eating it. And uh, if your guest is happy, then I'm sure these stars will follow. And that, that's the most important thing. If your restaurant is full, the guest is happy, everything will come to uh, come, come in line. And I think that um, accolades, of course, are important business-wise, uh, personal goals-wise, um, but also your guest is just as important. And, and the team, too. If the team are not happy serving or, or cooking, then what's the point? The, the restaurant is located in a hotel. How does that? Uh, yes. How does how does it affect? I mean, which which pros and cons would you would you have with that? Mm. Hotels are not not the most straightforward, right? I think that there are a lot of um, moving parts in hotels, and I think that um, navigating that is not the easiest thing to do. However, I can't, I can't, I can't. Um, be more thankful, I think, to, to the Four Seasons for the way they support this restaurant, for sure. And, um, you know, this is a this is a high high profile restaurant. It's It takes a lot of resources of the property, but I can't say that, I can't put anyone at fault. I think that anything I've asked for, I've been given, and that's that's a carte blanche you don't normally get in these kind of places. So the trust that they've been given to me to to run this restaurant, you know, it's, it's quite rare, I think. And and I think that their ethos at the beginning was okay. Well, let's hire let's hire the team to do the job and let them do the job and let's let's see what we get. And I think that they've they've reaped, reaped rewards and and it's paid dividends. And I think when you allow people to do their job and really they know what to do and what's best for the operation, I think you always get the best results. In the next part of the podcast, Chef Daniel Calvert will reveal his favorite restaurants in Tokyo, Hong Kong, and the rest of the world. Okay, then let's talk about Tokyo and and some some other restaurants there as well. Um, mm. Tokyo as a food city, obviously, I mean, many people would say. Uh, the greatest food city in the world. Um, of course, that's yeah. a subjective thing, but but that's that's <laughs> quite common common co- a common fact. Yeah. Um, how do you? I mean, navigating finding food in uh, restaurants. Of course, I mean, there's all the different categories. But what's your advice on navigating the the restaurant and eating scene in in Tokyo? I think the first thing I say to people when they come to uh, to Cezanne, I say, oh, you know, where, where else are you going to eat and what have you been up to? And they list all these restaurants that they really want to go to. And I'm like, let's let's get realistic because um, Japan is not straightforward. Um, it is not just because you want a reservation doesn't mean somebody's going to give it to you. Uh, you know, these restaurants are very small and very exclusive. So I think the first thing I would say to people is, is be, be um, 
have your expectations in check, I think, and be realistic. And I think that just because somebody you might follow on social media has been somewhere and says it's incredible and it's amazing, you've got to go. You know, that doesn't mean there's not many, many other restaurants which are just as good uh, that you can try and actually get get actually get a seat in. Um, and also be patient. I think that I started coming to Japan in 2016, so not that long ago, right? Seven, eight years ago. And of course, my first thing was, I, I've got to eat at Sushi Saito. I have to go there. I, you know, I really want to go there. And of course, I was not going to get in. Like, who the hell am I you know, <laughs> to get in? Um, but you slowly, if, if you, you know, you, you eat in other restaurants, you build your connections, you build relationships and friendships with people, and maybe one day you'll get these restaurants that you really want to try. But you'll also discover way more along the way. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I live in Tokyo and it's still impossible for me to book many of these restaurants. Yeah. So Mr. and Mrs. Smith from New York City, they're not going to have as much, as much chance, to be honest. Uh, okay, but uh, if uh, you could tell about some some favorite places that that you 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 would recommend, totally. uh, I mean, if we go yeah. to, from from street food and noodles all the way up, I mean, please mm -hmm. give me give me some recommendations. All right, okay, so my favorite. Okay, let's start with French restaurant because I guess we're kind of a French restaurant too. I don't eat much French food to be honest because we're in Japan and. I love Chinese food, like I said, so I eat mostly Chinese food or Japanese food. But if I had to choose one French restaurant, it would be Esquisse. I think that what the chef Lionel is doing in Esquisse is he's melding um, Japanese products and French techniques um, heavily on the on the Japanese flavor side of things. And I think that he's doing it better than anybody, to be honest. And it's very seamless in the way he's executing. His balance is very delicate and um, his style is very gentle which is perfect for the product. And I think that if I was to, if I was to go out for dinner with, uh, with my wife, that is the first place in terms of fine dining, I would always choose. Sushi, of course, you have to have sushi. Yes. Uh, I mean, there's so many. My favorite, jeez, oh, I can't say favorite. There's the one I have been to the most in the last 12 months, let's say that. <laughs> I have been to Sushi Amamoto the last, in the last 12 months, maybe four or five times. Um, I love his style. It's very generous. It's beautiful. Um, his his starters, his otsumami at the beginning of the course is very um, high level in terms of like a kaiseki restaurant. Um, his nigiri style is beautiful. It's, it's slightly big <laughs> and it's a big course, but I always learn so much. And when I leave, I always have one or two or three more ideas. That, you know, I wish I'd thought of. <laughs> okay. Uh, pizza. I think everyone who comes to Tokyo should have pizza. Yeah, that's which a crazy seems thing. Kind of uh, <laughs> backwards, but it's the best pizza in the world for sure. Um, pizza Studio Tamaki is my number one. I think that there's many good pizzerias. Uh, you have the Mandarin Oriental Pizza Bar. Daniele, who's doing, who's who's throwing the pies over there, is doing a fantastic job. But if you if you can't get a seat there, I would go to Pizza Studio Tamaki, which is a walk-in only restaurant. So I always recommend people to go there. And the style is that Neapolitan, Neapolitan style, or what, what, what kind of, or their own? It's hard to say, really. Yeah, I guess Neapolitan style. Uh, yeah, for sure, I guess. But it's always a little crispier than that, and the dough is lighter. But then, the the toppings are quite classic, I guess. But hard to explain. Yeah, yeah. wood fired and, and just delicious, I guess, is the best way to say. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, my favorite noodles. 
I have a sober place in my neighborhood in Kagodazaka, but I don't actually know the name of it because we just we just walk past it and we go in. Okay. Um, they used to have a Michelin star. Uh, what else do I love to go? Uh, Sazenka is, is probably my number one. Yeah. Uh, it's a Chinese restaurant which has three Michelin stars run by a Japanese chef. So it's very Japan, Japanese in style, but the flavors are very Chinese. Um, I really enjoy this restaurant a lot. I think his um, level of finesse is very high. And he brings a certain refinement to Chinese cuisine and like it or not, you know, some people disagree. I think that that is hard to achieve outside of Japan. Um, so it's always very interesting to me. Uh, what about uh, like uh, casual places, isakayas or so? Sakai Shokai is my favorite isakaya uh, down in Shibuya. Hidesan is the chef. He has another place called uh, Sawado, but I do believe um, sake shoka is, is, the, is fantastic. It's beautiful natural wines, great sake list. And to be honest, Hidesan is there cooking for you the whole time. And you basically sit down and just, just tell them to feed you. And it's fantastic. What, what any, any like uh, favorites that any, any classics that he would serve or does it vary every time? Uh, unagi sandwich is really good. Uh, he has this fried crispy spam, which is really good. Um, those are the two standouts for sure that you got to get. Okay. Okay. Um, then, I mean, some of the other specialties, uh, what about, uh, eel places, yakitori, any, any favorites there? Yakitori. I always go to Toritama because that's in my neighborhood. Um, yeah, that's my number one because it's also fairly easy to book because some of these yakitori is getting crazy nowadays. It's like the next wave of sushi, you know, it's, yeah. it's very hard to book most of these places. And then the Toritama is, is very, very consistent and very, very good. And, you know, a week or so out, I can book a seat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Anything? Uh, I don't get out much. I'm always working. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the challenge. Uh, what about other places? Uh, obviously, I mean, you do some traveling with with, with different things, uh, awards and so nowadays, I guess. Uh, any any yes, favorites yeah. out there in the, the rest of the world? Uh, of course, the chairman is my favorite in Hong Kong. Uh, I was recently in Hong Kong. I had my wedding at the chairman. Um, so we had a fantastic uh, time last year. But on my last trip to Hong Kong, I went to Wing by Vicky Chang. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen it. Yes. It's all over social media, of course, and rightfully so. Uh, Vicky's opened a Chinese restaurant because he's obviously had his restaurant, Vea, which was like a French-Chinese fusion kind of place, which was also a very good tasting menu spot. But now he has opened uh, Wing, which is a Chinese restaurant and very elevated, very finessed um, Chinese cuisine. And, I, and it was really one of my favorite meals in Hong Kong. Um, went to Bangkok earlier, uh, early last year. I went to Sorn. I'm not sure if you've seen Sorn. Yes. Sorn I loved. I think the, the balance of menu was fantastic. I think ICE is doing a really great job with only local products, basically, and really highlighting that. What else did I eat? Where else did I travel recently? Uh, I went to Ikoi. Everyone's talking about Ikoi, right? That's, yes. that's the big one in Europe right now. It was fantastic. Alex Dillon, I thought was a wonderful meal in Piccadilly. Um, Bibendum actually was, was really a fantastic meal. And then and in London, I, I go to the same place. I go to the Sportsman, which is super... Have you been to the Sportsman? Outside yeah, I've been. In, yeah, uh, yeah, Essex. Yeah. Fantastic. Which, is it Whitstable? I think it's Whitstable. Yeah. Uh, is it Whitstable? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Whitstable. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, perfect. This is a perfect restaurant. Wow. Okay. 
like the menu changes menu changes a lot he cooks locally he's got a very well priced Don Perignon on the menu the service is fantastic like what's what's not to love about the sportsman it's hard to you know I, I'm a very traditional classic albeit boring person and, I, and these are my favorite restaurants the Wolseley the sportsman I think the Ledbury was fantastic last time I went I haven't been since they got three stars which is amazing um so yeah so uh, the Walsley, I, I think that's what we need to get back to, you know, nowadays. There's, there's a little too much fluff around restaurants and <laughs> we, we're kind of forgetting what we actually go there for is to have dinner. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I want Cezanne to feel, I want people to feel about Cezanne the way I feel about the sportsman. Uh, Walsley, would you go for breakfast, lunch or dinner or all of them? The Walsley, all of it. I'd stay all day if they let me. Yeah, yeah, I'd have yeah. afternoon tea as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, My yeah. dream is to is to is to hire the private room upstairs in the corner, and uh, just sit there all day. Okay, it would be great, <laughs> wouldn't it? Start breakfast, read the paper, then have lunch. You know, it would just be great. That that would be my dream. Uh, and at Bibendum, what would you go for there? Lunch or dinner or seafood or um, what's your favorites there? Oh, upstairs in the in the fine dining place. I haven't been downstairs, but it looks pretty good too. Um, but I just whatever the chef wants to cook for me because it was so good uh, and the quality of ingredients was so high and the flavors were so long and it's been a long time since I had a meal where those those flavors were were long like a glass like a glass of burgundy you know where like a minute later you're still tasting it and remembering it and I felt the sauces and the food was really at that level. Wow. Okay. Very good. Very good. And that's Claude Bossy having having bibendum, right? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. One last question for you. Um, if you would be able mm. to pack your bags this evening uh, with your wife, maybe obviously your baby as well, and you could travel close <laughs> the restaurant for a few days, uh, maybe in a few months is better, but go yeah. anywhere in the world and have a meal. Which, uh, which restaurant could that be? I would go to Bell's in Los Alamos in California. Uh, two very good friends of mine, Daisy and Greg Ryan, that I used to work with at Per Se, um, opened this restaurant in Los Alamos, which is in the middle of nowhere in California, I think just outside of LA, forgive me if I'm wrong. Uh, but basically it's, I feel like it's, it's, uh, it's like their rendition of everything they love about restaurants and it's a casual French, actually it's a casual, she, Daisy won a Michigan star, which is incredible because Daisy was never formally trained in the kitchen she, her and Greg were actually in the service team at Per Se, um, but she trans, transferred to the kitchen. She also worked at Brooklyn Fair back in the old location, but transferred to the kitchen when she opened Bell's. So has, has completely self-taught um, and has won a Michelin star in this fantastic neighborhood style restaurant where people are traveling out of, the, out of LA to go eat at. And uh, that is the first place I would go. Wow, that sounds like a, like a good pick. Uh, Daniel oh, yeah, I'd sit there all day drinking, drinking Beaujolais and, and all this kind of stuff. It would be fantastic. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, Daniel Calvert from Cezanne in Tokyo. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you and hope you'll uh, get to travel to, to California soon. <laughs> Thank you, Kenneth. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Wall of Mouth podcast with Daniel Calvert, the chef at restaurant Cezanne in Tokyo. If you liked our podcast, please give it a star rating on the platform you're using now and let us know which guest you'd like to and let us know which guest you'd like us to invite to the show. 
You'll find all of the recommendations mentioned in this episode and more in the Wall of Mouth app, available in your app store, or visit our website at wallofmouth.app. I'm Kenneth Nars, until next week with a new podcast guest. 